Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Hello, folks, and welcome to Appalachian Intelligence. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed the last episode with Tanya. She was uh, a wealth of knowledge. She was a great guest. Um, She owns and operates the old hospital on College Hill, uh, so she was giving us a little bit of the history of that place, talking about some of the stories uh, we shared a little bit, or I shared a little bit of my accounts, my experience that I had there. And it's a place that me and Ryan and hopefully a few more people are planning to go and investigate later this spring, early some summer, somewhere in there and uh, get what cool video we can get from that and post it on YouTube for you guys to check out. So be looking forward to that. We will definitely be teasing it before it happens. So you guys just keep your eyes out for that one. Um, We are going to read a couple, you know, a a thing that we started trying to do is uh, some five-star reviews that we're getting. We, we want to read one or two an episode just to encourage you guys to keep leaving them. uh, And we'll give you a a shout out on the show when you do that. Um, So we got one from Nick Pernicano, Pernicano, It says, love it. Love the casual and informative style of the show. Looking forward to more episodes. Nick, thank you for that. I hope I said your name right. I hope I didn't butcher it too bad. If I did, let me know and uh, we'll redo it. I'll fix it for next time. I I don't care to be wrong. Uh, But thanks a lot for that. Uh, And another one's from Christian Hyder. It says, great content. As a native Appalachian transplanted into Florida, I can't wait to tune in to new episodes. Keep it up. Watch out for those mountain lights. They'll get you. And Christian, I'm sure they will get you. We're, we're going to be doing some mountain lights episodes too, like brown mountain lights. Man, I love I love that whole ledge and that lore and everything behind that. It's awesome. So thank you, guys. Thank you for the great reviews. Thank you for tuning in. And if you do enjoy what you're hearing, if you're listening right now and you enjoy what you're hearing on a weekly basis, share the show. Just just share it any way uh, that you want to share it. Share it with whoever. About what that's that's the best way to make this show grow is sharing it by word of mouth. And 
we can do all the pushing that we want to do, but we're only uh, a couple hicks here in the Appalachians that can we – only, we only know so many people. Our circle's only so broad and, and wide. So if you do like what you hear and share the show, uh, today we have a returning champ. Uh, this will be our first returning guest and our new research producer of the Appalachian Intelligence Podcast and YouTube channel. Lance Compton. Lance, good to see you again, buddy. How are you? Doing great, John. Doing great. Glad to be back. I'm glutton for punishment, I guess, so I'm here again. That's it. That's it. I mean, <laughs> everybody has to have a guilty pleasure, and uh, this this just has to be yours, I guess. It's perfectly. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I, I mean, have no problem with this being, being my guilty, guilty pleasure. And I'm no problem being your guilty pleasure. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Backstreet Boys is wish my, my wife. Play. I wish my wife would say that. <laughs> the Backstreet Boys are my guilty pleasure, but you know, y'all can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> all the way. So today we're diving into something that I am extremely interested in. Um, Lance messaged me probably a couple weeks back and asked if I'd ever heard the term granny witches. And I said, well, no, I've never heard that specific term, but my mama is, is definitely a witch. I mean, I don't, whatever, <laughs> whatever it means, she's a witch. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've never heard that specific term, but I already know what you're talking about. So he was like, we'll do a little digging in it, do a little research. We need to do an episode. So here we are, and we're going to do this episode. And in the, the little bit of looking into that I did, uh, number one, it is my mama. And mama, that's how we say grandma, uh, or that's how I say it. I don't know how you guys say it. But my grandma, my grandmother, that's my mama. Um, and a lot of the stuff that I was reading, you know, with this whole granny witch thing and the Appalachian folk magic thing, it, dude, it describes her to a T, to a T. And, but here's the thing. There is no way in the world that I would ever walk up to her and call her a granny witch or associate her with this in any kind of way. Because even though it's kind of how she operates, she would smack the red off my head if I associate her with the term or the name witch in, or magic in any kind of way. And I'm sure we're gonna, I'm sure we're gonna be getting into some of that. Hot words for sure. If you were to walk in and say that to her, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so Lance, man, we'll just uh, we'll jump straight into this. Um, we'll let you get rolling with. Yeah, you've been teasing me for like a week now, talking about you have this this mind blowing stuff, and I've been like a little schoolgirl, just all fidgety, waiting for a test. But it ain't a test. I'm super pumped for what you have to say. So. Let's dive right into it. And uh, it's true. He is like a schoolgirl at work. <laughs> giggling, giggles and everything. <laughs> I'm giggling now. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, granny witches. Well, that's a, a fairly new term for me as well. Uh, one of the guys that I work with, who is now a fan also of the podcast, uh, nah. for some of the things we've talked about. Um, Asked me, I don't know, a month or so ago, we were having a couple of conversations about a few things. And he's like, you ever heard of, and he called it grainy witches. And I kind of looked at him for a second. I was like, I don't know. 
don't know what that is. So I hopped over to my computer and searched in grainy, which is grainy, G-R-A-I-N-Y, like something that was grainy, couldn't see very well, because that's kind of what I thought um, that he was talking about. And I kept getting all these links to the Blair Witch Project and all this stuff. I was like, I, I know what the Blair Witch Project is and kind of have a little bit of an idea of what that, you know, all that is. And even the Bell Witch and kind of knows from Tennessee and kind of and understand what that is. It, I didn't think that's what he was talking about. So I'll hop back over and ask him again. I was like, why don't you spell that for me? And he spelled it G-R-A-N-N-Y. Oh, Granny. But with his accent, it was he was saying Granny. And it's just, it's just how he was. Then I made the connection. Oh, he's saying Granny. Um, so I got to looking um, and then was curious about it and then started to dig into it. And then I got to thinking, I know a lot of people um, that have grandmas or mamas or mamas or memes or whatever it is that we call them um, that do a lot of these things just every day. Um, and great grandmas that kind of follow some of these things that what we probably more commonly know um, as faith healing, uh, Appalachian folklore, um, interesting things that, We've always heard and kind of just do, um, but don't really know where they come from. Uh, knocking on wood would be an example of that. You know, we all have done that before. My wife does it now. Um, anytime we say something, you know, hopefully comes true or whatever. Knock on wood doesn't come true. Um, throwing salt over the sh- shoulder, um, throwing out cornmeal out the back door when you're making before you serve cornbread, all these kind of things that I knew and that are part of our culture um, and have heard about and read about and, and, and knew that people have done and watched people do these things, uh, but didn't really understand why they happened. Um, well, granny witches and more of an endearing term than a non-endearing term um, is kind of a way in which people are referring to faith healing, uh, Appalachian folklore, uh, folk magic, folk conjuring type things, and, and not in a negative connotation as, as it can be at times. Um, it's kind of what Granny Witchin is. Now, um, there is a, a, a lady um, that just a couple of months ago was actually in Asheville, uh, North Carolina, at a Granny Witch weekend retreat. Um, in which they were kind of talking about some of the history and stuff, but they had essentially also blending some of the new age um, occult, I guess, witchery into the Granny Witching and kind of merging these two things together, um, but still basing in the same thing. And I haven't got a chance to talk to her yet. Uh, we're setting up an interview with her, so I can kind of talk to her and see exactly what was going on, have an idea. We just haven't had the scheduled time to meet yet. But so that's it's still a thing, and it, it's still very much um, catching some notoriety, I guess, is e- even now, probably more so even now. Um, so that's what Granny, when we refer to for the next however long we're here, uh, Granny Witch, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Um, now, um, Granny magic, Appalachian granny magic. And if you were to YouTube like Appalachian granny magic uh, or granny folklore uh, in any way, um, you will find people talking about these videos and and all kinds of all those sorts of things. Um, and some more examples. Uh, I want to ask you to you probably actually my um, family. Uh, now, my, my mom, my dad was born in, in, in Appalachia, grew up here. I did the same. My mother is from Ohio. Uh, her parents are from Ohio. My dad's parents are all 
from Pennsylvania or both from Pennsylvania and Ohio. So we, while I grew up in Appalachia and consider myself Appalachian, we are not an old Appalachian family. Um, if that makes sense, we were kind of transplanted into that. Um, now we've been here, I've been here my whole life and, and, and all these different things. But as far as my mamma having stuff passed down to her from her mamma from the Appalachian, I don't really have that. Um, so I'm going to ask you two, you guys got any examples of this kind of stuff that your grandmas or mamas would say that would kind of fall into this? It's like I talked to Justin. I can't, I can't think of anything with my grandmothers, but now in my wife's family, and this doesn't involve a grandmother, but uh, one of my wife's relatives, when uh, she was much younger and had babies, my wife's cousins, um, she was breastfeeding one of them and they had thrush and that got on her body. Well, this man they go to church with is the seventh son of a seventh son. And in front of her husband, you know, just so it was okay, he breathed onto her breast and the thrush went away. Is what I'm told. Now, I didn't lay witness to that. So don't don't take me at my word. This is what I'm told. But it's just, it's things like that you're always hearing, you know. Now the horseshoes above everybody's door in the upright yeah, you, you position. See that? Yeah, you see that everywhere. Even I now. mean, you you can't go by a barn and not see the the upright, you know, horseshoe hanging above a door, and that's you know that goes back with all this this folk magic kind of stuff. Uh, but for me, I'm a little different. You know, my family, oof, we are Appalachia through and through. Um, I actually was talking to my dad earlier today because I, I really wanted to talk to my mama, but I knew that if I started drilling her with a lot of these questions and I remembered some things, you know, that she says, you know, some superstitions, uh, some phrases and stuff that she's had, you know, as, as far back as I can remember, but I didn't want to go to her just because, like I said earlier, I knew if I started drilling her, she's going to be like, okay, what's this about? And then when I have to say, Oh, well, I'm trying to tie this into a, uh, you being a granny witch, yeah, that, that wouldn't have been pretty. I mean, I already get whipped with a switch, you know, almost every time I show up because I need that. It's good for you. It, yeah, yeah. You need this correction because I know you're still getting in trouble. That's that's what I hear. <laughs> so, um, like a lot of things that, that she, she – <laughs> She will talk about the weather, you know, what the weather's going to do, regardless of what the weatherman says or what's going on. That's not how she does. She'll watch the goats in the field. And if the goats head to shelter, then she knows that it's going to rain or storm or, you know, some kind of, of bad weather will be coming uh, shortly. Um, she talks about you know uh she's always said you know if, if you're walking in the house with one shoe on and one shoe off that's bad luck uh you know open an umbrella in the house that's bad luck um you know there's, there's like a hundred different things that's bad luck you know you can't if you breathe the wrong way it's bad luck but my dad was and she used to i remember when i was younger she would make um like sawgrass y'all know just like the sawgrass the the brown, almost dead kind of stems when it gets really high. I remember that she used to go pick that and make tea. She would boil it and, and make tea out of that sawgrass to 
um, lessen and relieve fever and flu symptoms and stuff. I remember that she used to say that all the time. So it, little things like that, but I, I'll share a story here really quickly before we dive into it, just so the listeners and the viewers kind of get an idea of, of the things that we're talking about. I was talking to my dad earlier and I was, I was saying some of these things that I remember my mom all doing growing up. And he said, Oh, Justin, he said, you think she was bad with all this stuff? He said, your great grandma, his mama, my grandma's mom said she was, it, it was constant. You know, they, they didn't use medication. Nothing was over the counter. Everything was some sort of, of herbs uh, you know, the plantain plant, the aloe, um, you know, all these like mountain berries, he was calling them. I don't even know exactly what he's talking about. You know, he was talking about all of these different plants and herbs and all this stuff that she would go and pick to treat ailments, sickness, you know, whatever. Well, one story they told me, his brother, my uncle Bill, he went at, when he was really, really young, he had seizures. He would convulse. You know, my dad didn't say seizures. He just said he would have these, he would take these convulsions. So he had, you know, they were taking him all these different doctors and especially around that time, doctors in this area, I'm sure, you know, <laughs> were probably subpar. So they actually sent him to wise to a specialist in wise to get a spinal tap done, you know, at like four or five years old. Well, they couldn't, which was super dangerous then because they really had no idea what they were doing. I mean, they were just poking and prodding. And so let's see what fluid we can find. So let's check and see if he's got meningitis. So they took him to the specialist, didn't find anything out. So he said that he actually remembers this. They were at her house that day, and he had a really bad convulsion, a seizure. And, um, you know, it lasted for he said, you know, a really long time. So while it was going on and while they were kind of holding him down and keeping him on his side, keeping him from hurting himself, she said, I'm done with this. We got to do something for this baby or he ain't going to make it. He said, so his mama just took off up in the woods, up, up a big holler that was around where they lived. He said he, she took off up in the woods and was gone for three or four hours. He said, now he knows that, you know, up at the top of that holler, there was a bunch of cow pastures and, you know, just different things that were up around there. And she was gone for three or four hours and she comes back and he said she had a, an armload of stuff. He said he has no, he said he knows that he's seen ginseng and yellow root and these mountain berries. But other than that, he said, I can't, I can't tell you what it was. And he said, I've even asked my mama, his mom after that. And she, she don't know what it was. But she went and picked all this stuff. She boiled it all together, strained it, boiled it again. He said he remembers she boiled it twice, boiled it again, poured it out in separate uh, pint-sized jars, and gave it to my mama to give to Bill. And she told him to drink one of those a day, and just and hopefully it would help. Dad said that he remembers that my Uncle Bill had maybe one or two more episodes like this of, of convulsions afterwards and has never had another one. Now, here's the thing, and here's a crazy thing that he was telling me. He said the reason that nobody knew what she did is because their belief as far back as he could remember in their family, if, if they did something to help somebody else or to treat something 
or to do whatever in any kind of way you can't talk about it. Because if you speak about it, here's his exact words. If you speak about it, it loses its power. Now, to me, I was just like, that's, dude, that's magic. Literally, what you're talking about right now is magic. <laughs> he talked about, now, and here's another thing that he said. Like, I was just figuring all this out today, and it was blowing my mind. I'm sorry you guys hear that dog barking. My dog's out here going crazy. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. I apologize. But he was talking about how um, there were only certain, he said, only certain women in the family. He said they never spoke with it. Anything that they did or learned from each other to the men. They never talked to the men about it. He said, and they only shared this kind of information and these treatments with certain girls, with certain women in the family. He said, and they had to look at these girls and find out if they had the gift before they would share the information. Nuts, man. It's nuts. It's nuts. And I never, I never knew any of this. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The more, the more I got to look into this, I was like, I, you know, yeah, we were both, all three of us aware that this was a thing, right. And had heard these things, but didn't really realize the depth at which this kind of is really steeped in our culture. Um, yeah. And when you get to give me, give me just a second, I'll be right back. All right. When you get to talking about some of the other things that you see um, that we've been talking about uh, and you all, I guess not, not we, you all have been talking about, sorry, consider myself part of the podcast now, but some of the things that you all have kind of mentioned, I was like, it just kind of falls right in line with a lot of the same type of, I don't know, interesting lore and things that have kind of been happening. Um, so it was just, again, really good examples of things that, again, we're, we're used to. We, I guess people outside of our culture, out from the outs- outsiders or people that aren't used to the Appalachian way would think that's absolutely nuts. But to us, it's just kind of commonplace. Um, another good example of this, a, a gentleman that I work with um, in the town of Appalachia um, had, when he was younger, had really bad warts and couldn't get rid of them. But there was a guy down there that was a seventh son of a seventh son that oh would go down and he, he, he tells the stories and he tried everything. They tried the, what is it? Uh, something, some kind of thing you can buy uh, something E I think, or some, something, something W some kind of solution you can put on them. I don't know exactly what it's called. You can wart remover like this. And we're talking like the early two thousands, right? This is just not that long ago. He was a kid, you know, even 20 years ago or so. They try the wart remover and try all these things to get rid of them. He couldn't, wouldn't work, nothing worked. And they told him his his grandpa, uh, his papa told him to go down to meet this guy. He was a seventh son of a seventh son. And he came up to him and showed him the wart and he said, Let me buy that off of you. And he said, What are you talking about? And he said, Let me buy that off of you for a penny. Um, so they exchanged a penny. And he said, Now put his hand over the wart and rubbed it and said, You can't think about it. If you think about it again, it will, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll stay. But if you don't think about it, it'll go away. I was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. He said, but three never said, didn't think nothing about it. <laughs> he said, three or four days later, he was washing his hands after he'd been out like splitting wood and had some dirt and stuff and was coming in and was looked down and realized that the wart was just completely gone. So he'd been trying for years and years and years to get rid of it. Um, 
and that he was just, you know, that guy has had done that for a multitude of people, but because he was a seventh son of a seventh son, he could kind of get rid of those, get rid of those warts and then out of law, which is an absolute. And the guy that told me this is one of my good turkey hunting, one of my good hunting buddies. Like he's a, he's a pretty straight shooter. He's not going to make stuff up. Dude, um, so it definitely that, happened to him. That is crazy. That's crazy that you just said that because dad also told me a story today that his uncle Bunyan, Yes, his name was Bunyan. Was it Paul? Not Paul. I don't think it was Paul. I don't know. I'm, I'm finding out a lot of things. Did that he have know. a blue ox? <laughs> I'm finding out a lot of things I didn't know about my family, okay, after starting this podcast. Well, I'm finding out a lot of stuff tonight, too. Apparently, you're Nazi witches. <laughs> <laughs> Scots, Kelt, were Celtic Nazi witches. Celtic Nazi. Oh, we're getting there. We'll go there in a second. Let's don't no, I'm I'm not a Nazi. Not, not <laughs> let's let's don't even say that. Uh, well, I mean the, the yeah. Anyway, it's crazy though that you said that because he talked about his uncle Bunyan. This is no lie. I'm not oh my gosh, this is nuts. Said that dad said that when he was about Rachel's age, my daughter Rachel, which is eight year brown, eight years old that his uncle that he had these warts on his hands he said that were really embarrassing he couldn't get rid of them and he was embarrassed by them you know going to school and all this stuff. they were huge he said so his uncle bunyan this is crazy came up to him handed him a penny told him that to take that penny and to speak over that penny and ask for the warts to be gone dad said so you know i'm a little kid i'm thinking okay yeah i'll do that so he got it. He spoke over it. His uncle took the penny back, rubbed the penny over the warts, and then told dad, take that penny, go bury it, and don't think about it ever again. Don't go back for it. Don't go dig it back up. Don't don't go near it. And don't turn around and look back. Once you bury it, don't look back at it. Just, just go on about your business. Dad said within a couple weeks, those warts were gone completely. So it is nuts that you just told that story because that was one that I wasn't going to, because, you know, as my uncle, he wasn't a granny, but still it was the same kind of, it's the same concept. It's the same. Well, it's, it's all granny magic, right? And you, it, it, even as you get into this, you realize that some of this faith healing, um, a lot of times it is this, it's like the seventh son of a seventh son can do these things. Um, and it's, you know, it's not a woman doing them, but it's, it's, it comes, it was passed down by a, a matriarch of a family who passed it on to the seventh son of a seventh son. It was, it's the way it's passed. These traditions and things are passed in the way they have to be passed. And like you said, looking at them, the child and making sure if they have the gift or not, it's, it's all wrapped up into the same granny magic folklore and ritual and things that happened. Um, and if you, do a Google search and kind of faith healing, right? Which is kind of what this is. It's usually three major categories that the things that these people can do. And a lot of times it's men, right? Um, I'm, I don't know if you've heard of the one that can blow out fire. Um, if, if you ever heard of that one at all? No. So what that is, is if you got a burn, right? If you say you're, you got your hand burned, you did something, these faith healer, granny, magic people, whatever can put their hands, cup it over and below. And that's essentially, they say, you know, if you get a burn, you know, even though while your skin's not actually on fire, it still feels like it's burning, right? 
scientifically, we know the nerve endings get burnt and it just keeps sending those impulses, right? That fire down doesn't actually cause any more damage, excuse me, but it feels like it's still burning. Um, well, they say things over that whatever, whoever these, one of these guys that can do these things, your ladies can do these things, they call it fire blowing. It's another seventh son of a seventh son. You blow, blow into the fire and it, it takes the pain, takes the burning sensation away. Now, I thought that was crazy. Another individual that we work with, her husband is a seventh son of a seventh son, and he can do this. She burnt him. She burnt herself with a curling iron uh, and couldn't, like it was just, it was just excruciating pain. And he came in, wouldn't let her look, wouldn't let her kids into the room at all, but said something, prayed over its head and then blew on it. And it took the pain away. And she said, no, I can't. Anybody didn't know it has to be a seventh son of a seventh son. That's one that you hear. The thrush one that Ryan was talking about is a very common one as well. Um, blowing into the area where the thrush is at to get rid of it. Another one um, is what they call blood binding. Um, and it doesn't sound it's not as eerie as it sounds. Essentially, if somebody is bleeding with unnatural causes, right? So they get cut or have a wound that is bleeding. These faith healers have the ability, apparently, to make sure and stop stop the bleeding. If they can't get it, you know, sutured up or tourniquet in any way, they can they can kind of stop the bleeding. Now, I haven't have any uh, anybody around that I've talked to that knows people that have done that. Um, but I have read and seen tons of accounts looking at this of people being not even in the same room, just hearing that somebody is bleeding somewhere and having something that they say and do and then being able to say whatever and the bleeding just boom, just turn off. Like it clots. It's almost instantly. Um, and there's tons of accounts of that uh, taking place. So that's some of the, I guess, the faith healing division, I guess, of granny, which, and I guess would be a kind of good way if you wanted to group it kind of all together, there's, there's different things, there's rituals they do. There's the herb stuff they do the mixing up of, of tinctures and stuff that you're talking about uh, with your great grandma and then the faith healing division of it as well. Um, Foxfire books, Foxfire Chronicles. I don't know if any of if you to have any idea what that is, um, but the Foxfire Chronicles were teacher back in the I think seventies, I made people can fact check me on this one. I didn't write this one down, but back in the seventies started writing articles in papers. I think it was in Tennessee. Um, was it, it was just high school students in the student in, in their, in their uh, teacher were just collecting Appalachia uh, things, right? Hog dressing, building a log cabin, how to you know what time to sow uh, your seeds in the garden, you know, moon phases. And it's kind of like an extended farmer's all in that just Appalachia stuff that they were putting into newspapers. Um, and it started to get a lot of attention. Um, and eventually it's now branched into, I think, six or seven books called the Foxfire Chronicles that goes over all of these different things. Right. Um, the first book has hog dressing in it. Um, it has um, I'm trying to think I've got it here at the house. I'll have it with me right now. It's got a variety of things in it. But one of the things in one of the divisions in it is faith healing. Uh, Justin, I think I sent you a picture of it. You do, um, that's well. And log cabin, log cabin building, I think is one of the sections in there. Uh, but anyways, one of the sections in there is is faith healing. And you open up, there are pictures and accounts of these older people being able to do these very things that we've been talking about, all of it kind of right in line with this granny witch kind of idea. Um, so this is, again, something that is steeped in Appalachia. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's. Man, it's just all this is crazy because it's like 
you know, I was talking to Ryan about it a few days ago and, and talking to my dad a little bit about it. You know, it's all stuff, you know, all these superstition, all these little things, you know, you, you were talking about the blowing out the fire. And it made me think of when I was younger, if someone had an earache, they would say they would blow cigarette smoke into their ear and say that, that was supposed to help it. I mean, it's probably, you know, secondhand smoke COPD now, but (laughs) whatever. But, you know, all of these things we grew up with, you know, and even if you didn't realize it at the time, you know, what was being said. And Monica's mom, you know, my wife's mom, my mother-in-law, she is the world's worst with all these superstitions thing. Like everything is some sort of. You know, just like I was talking with my mom all earlier, it's, it's this is bad luck. This is bad luck. This is good luck. Um, my right palm's itching. That means I'm going to get some money. Uh, my ears are my, burning. Somebody's talking about you. My ears are burning. Somebody's talking about me. my nose is itching. That means somebody's coming. You know, just all these different things that you never really think. <laughs> that sounded terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all these different things <laughs> that. You don't think about at the time, but it's all steeped in this tradition. Like everything is steeped in this tradition. Right, so I think we've we've laid a pretty good foundation here of what this is. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So when my obviously when I so when I started looking into this, my first thought was right, this doesn't this didn't just appear from nowhere, right? It wasn't one of these things that. All these different people from all these different back 17, 1800s, even early 1900s, Great Depression era, like people weren't traveling around and seeing each other. You had haulers where people were very isolated. You had communities that were close knit, but they were very isolated and they wouldn't go out and see other people, right? But all these same different people were doing the same thing. So it had to have came had to have come from somewhere, right? It doesn't just appear out of nowhere. So the first question is, what? Or where in the world did this come from? Like, where does this? How does this happen? Where does it come from? And then this is where things get a little bit interesting. Um, as I kind of got into this, now I'm I'm not one to try to make connections. Um, I just accept things for as they are. And then when I get done with it and kind of look back at it from bird's eye view, while I was unable to see the forest for the trees while I was in the middle of it, once I kind of got done with some of the research, there were trees everywhere um, that I couldn't deny um, that I think will be very interesting to a lot of the same things you have been mentioning on this podcast now for the last several months. Um, and I even to the point where I was trying to not connect these things and make them just be their own separate idea or theory. Um, but it, <laughs> it just all kind of kept coming back to the same place, um, which I think is going to be really interesting once everything kind of comes together and it may never come together, but I think this is another Justin and Ryan, another dot to the connected dot puzzle that we are dealing with. If that makes sense. We're talking project. We're talking project ANP. I think, I think we are. I I really, at first I didn't think this was, I, I, I messaged you to say, Hey, this is a lot of fun to talk about. I think people will enjoy this. I've enjoyed looking at it. Um, 
But once I crawled back out of the rabbit hole, Ryan, this week, um, and I had to like reach up <laughs> with two hands and do a couple of pull-ups and suck me back down and pull it back up again and get myself up out of the rabbit hole um, and got to looking at my putting things together to talk about I me mean, gathering my thoughts. So I wasn't just rambling on about stuff. There's a lot of connections here um, to some interesting things that, that I think, and maybe not. And maybe once we get done with this and you think maybe I'm pushing too far or think I'm reaching too far and that's fine. I bet grass, I it, grass meant too many straws and that's perfectly fine. But I think there's a lot of connections here. All right. So where did this come from? Right. That's the biggest thing. I have to know the history had this happen. So let me pull up a little thing here. Um, Granny magic, um, usually a broad term with a whole bunch of uh, folk magic. Um, Granny magic kind of combines two old legacies. Okay. Mystic Christianity, which is not as eerie as it sounds. Uh, It's actually mystic Christianity just kind of means the supernatural parts of Christianity. So like healing and that kind of stuff. Um, And then Native American spiritualities as well. Um, Granny women and men, um, hex doctors sometimes referred to from kind of the outside world. Uh, But all these things kind kind of generate this same type of folk magic, granny magic. Now, let me ask you two boys this, two intelligent men. And pull my zoom back up. When you get together, the whole bunch of your buddies, or you get a whole bunch of people together, uh, having a conversation about something. What do you call that? Getting together and having a what? Uh, what is a gab session, Alex? Close. <laughs> That's very close, Ryan. What I'm looking for another <laughs> another name for a gab session. Another name for a brainstorm. Wow! Boom. Okay. Native now, American, I should have thought about that. Granny magic oftentimes referred to as a powwow. Now, the book on granny magic, yes, there is one, is called The Book of Powwows. Um, and it was written in the 1800s um, by a Pennsylvania um, native um, that wrote. Powwow's, the book is called The Powwow or A Long Lost Friend. That's the title of the book. And you can Google that, PDF it, and read. Um, I did that this week. A lot of interesting stuff. A ton of these folklore, like, you know, knocking on wood, that kind of stuff in there. Really, really interesting, fun to read stuff. But that is called a powwow, okay? Um, So, Granny Magic, in a whole, is kind of referred to sometimes as a powwow, which I thought was super interesting because I use that phrase a lot. I get to have a powwow, right? That's something that that's common common vernacular for me on a daily basis. Um, yeah. So this form of magic uh, dates back to the very first European settlers who showed up in the Appalachian Mountains arrived around the very late 1700, early 1800s, and they came from, you guys know your history, where did those, where did they come from? Where the first sailors? Ireland and Scotland. Ireland. Ireland and Scotland, exactly. Um, Keep that in mind. That's going to become important to us here in in, in about five minutes. Okay. Um, So the first people that settled into Appalachia uh, were from Ireland and from Scotland. Now, in our area specifically, like where we live at here specifically, um, 
in the, the, the heart of the Appalachian Mountains, especially the eastern Kentucky, uh, southwestern Virginia portion, eastern Tennessee portion. Um, there has been three or four different Native American tribes that would come in and were here for a little while, but none of them actually settled here. Um, and then there were other people that kind of came. There was never any actual settlements here until the mining business and all that kind of took on in the late 1800s, okay, um, or the early to middle 1800s. Um, and I think there is a reason for why we never see Native American people. They come here and hunt, do other things. They would never come here and settle. I think there is a reason for that. That's another story for another time. It's another theory. It's another rabbit trail I'm chasing right now anyways. Um, so those are... Um, those are the type of people, our ancestors, essentially, those are the type of people that settled here. Um, and if you go and look, so you've got this, that type of, of, of ancestry. Um, you also have Native American cultures around at the time and their spiritualities that were in the area as well. Um, and that brings along something else that Appalachian women in the 1700s, 1800s did uh, practice something called hoodoo, now, not voodoo. But hoodoo, H-O-O-D-O-O. And do you two fine gentlemen know what hoodoo is? Magic. Probably, it's, what type of magic do you know specifically? Yeah. It's what Marie Laveau was in that song. She was a she was a hoodoo queen. She was a hoodoo queen. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, but if you look up the definition of hoodoo specifically, um, it's known as conjuring and root working, right? Uh, and root working as in, you mentioned ginseng, yellow root. That's that's hoodoo, okay? Um, it's a thoroughly American system of magic, um, very unique uh, to Native American and European magical concepts with a smattering of other folklores kind of mishmashed in there into this huge melting pot uh, into the American South. Okay, sometimes confused with voodoo, which is deep south Louisiana, the area. That's not what this is. Okay, um, they don't even share the same origins. Uh, voodoo comes from Africa, right? Uh, hoodoo comes more from Central African tribal folklore. Voodoo comes more from from Western Africa origins. So, um, hoodoo uses a great amount, a great deal of prayer. Um, and incorporates a whole bunch of psalms um, as kind of invocation. So quoting the psalms, mentioned saying something over the uh, thrush on, on the lady that was breastfeeding, it was probably quoting some type of psalm um, and then having, you know, doesn't really have a specific theology, but would using the scriptures, that brings us back to the mystical Christianity, supernatural type of healing that, that people that we spent 15 minutes kind of talking about. Okay. Um, that type of uh, psalm invocation um, used by Catholics, used by Protestants, spiritualists, neo-pagans, you know, that's used now a lot of times practitioners of these kind of things use um, the, the invocation of psalms while, you know, showing, you know, we, Psalms 23, right? We, we use that one a lot, just, you know, something that we write on things or have hanging in our, our houses or that's all, all kind of stems from the same thing. Okay. Um, so 
that's kind of where this whole thing sort of sort of came from, right? So you've got a mixture of Native American spiritualism, which we know is very uh, earthy in its origins. It's very, um, you know, very nature friendly. Uh, nature explains a lot of things. Um, you can use nature to do all these things. And then you tie that in with some mystical Christianity things and supernatural healings that happens in the Bible, right? And, and then we've actually talked about some of these kind of crazy things. It's, it's supernatural. It's what it is, right? It's, it's a mystical type of feeling. Um, so it blends those two things together, okay? Um, so that's kind of where that came from. So we've got Scott-Irish origin, Native American origin kind of blending in to make this, this grainy magic folklore that we know and love today, all right? Which is super interesting, um, I think. Does that make sense yeah. so far? We yeah, so yeah, far. Yeah. Am I being clear on what's going on? All right. Yeah. So knowing the native what now I've got two, as I'm studying, kind of researching this, I've got two, two things here to look at, right? I've got Scott, Scott Irish history. Where does, why did, why, what portions of that bled into this, that they started this folklore and the native American. Those are two things I have to figure out their origin as well, right? So I can kind of get a basis of where they, I know how it got to Appalachia, but how did it get, how did it start, right? So that's, that was my next step in what is granny magic. All right. So Native American lore, I went there first um, because that's what I knew the most of just common, this red and kind of, kind of had an idea about. Um, now <laughs> it is said Plenty of accounts that you can read. Um, these old, again, some of this in the Foxfire Chronicles that I've read, other just articles and things that I've found on granny folklore type thing, Appalachian faith healing papers that people have written. Um, there is a whole bunch of evidence uh, for these granny witches, um, which I don't even really like called them that because it's kind of not what they are. But these granny witches having in the 1700s, having um, contact with or, or having um, helped them do these healings or make these potions or make these tinctures or whatever, um, being in contact with small Native American people. Um, and it wasn't just like one or two accounts that I, there was a multitude of these in which like people's great, great grandmas had small Native American to put it really simply, had little Native American friends that they lived close to or knew that would help them kind of create these things to help their sick children, to help their sick husbands, um, all this type of stuff. And I was like, little Native American, what did, Native American little people, I've never heard, what, what is going on? And I've never heard of this. This has got to be crazy. Well, um, it, it's not actually Um there has been several books and all kinds of things written. I'm going to reference just one because I don't have time. We don't have time to do all of them. Um, but one in particular is a book called Cherokee Little People Were Real. That was written by um, a lady named Mary A. Joyce. Now, Mary A. Joyce has her website that she runs. Um, she's a UFO aficionado. Um, she's in everything that's wild and weird. She has, she's, she's all about it, right? She doesn't just put a tinfoil hat on like, she bleeds tinfoil. That's kind of where she's at. Like, and she's, that's what she does. Okay. Um, so like but my she's, kind of lady. Yeah. But she's very, very 
um, evidence-based in everything that she puts out. Like she wants pictures, she wants videos, she wants newspaper articles. Like she's not just making things up. She's finding good hard evidence for the stuff that she putting out there. Um, in her book, uh, Cherokee Little People Were Real, um, she goes into several accounts, the 1920s or 30s. And yeah, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit that when they were uh, building Western Carolina University, um, they were breaking the ground, which is supposed to be totally virgin ground, you know, never being tilled or dozed or anything. As they were digging up the footers and foundations for these buildings, they found all kinds of tunnels. Um, and these weren't like tunnels, like mammoth cave system tunnels. That's not what we're talking. We're talking like tunnels that had been created that were man-made that had pictures and stuff painted on the walls. And they were very, very small. Like the men had to crawl on their hands and knees just to get through them. They found artifacts. They found like pottery, they found all kinds of stuff um, that in these, in these tunnels that looked like people had lived there and had been there not that long ago. Um, that led her to finding all other sorts of information um, that eventually at some time in our area, there was a, a native American tribe um, of Cherokees, Cher Cherokee Indians or Cherokee native Americans, I guess be politically correct. Um, that were short and that were smaller in stature, stature, right. That were not, you know, norm, not, not normal size, but not regular sized Native Americans as, as we kind of know them and see them portrayed. Like they were, they were Native Americans, fully full blooded Native Americans. They were just a smaller version of it. Okay. Um, and that was a, she's like, and like even today she still has, she will still occasionally put accounts on her website of, of men and women who were, you know, uh, not crazy people who were just regular people that work and have families and that we would consider just normal red-blooded Americans that still seeing these little, these Cherokee little people in the woods still having experiences seeing them today. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that she never mentions Granny Magic, never mentions Granny Folklore at all. Like she never talks about it, but she does have a whole bunch of information about these Cherokee little people. And I just thought it was really interesting that that lined up with a whole bunch of accounts of great, great grandmamas um, having a little native American friend that helped them create these um, teas and stuff to help heal. I thought that was really interesting. Okay. So, um, and then there's a whole other ton of native American spirituality folklore that, that we know and that you, we've seen um, visualized to us in, books and movies for, for years and years and years, right? It's all pretty common knowledge. Um, the same chance and having the, uh, you know, we boys are fans of Yellowstone or not. I'm a huge Yellowstone fan, but um, Jace has to go in there at the end of the last season. He is going through a whole thing to get rid of some of his personal demons, right? Um, that he's having to deal with. That's, that's kind of stuff that we know. Um, so I thought it was interesting, first of all. So we've had these little Native Americans that are helping these old Appalachian people, women coming up with these, using their culture to help kind of help the Appalachian culture at the time. Okay. So then I went to the other side um, of the Irish, Scott Irish uh, history and figured out where, where does those folklore come from? Um, and the Irish and Scottish people, um, even today, right? If, if you go over to Ireland or Scotland today and get to talking about their history, what is their mystical thing that they all believe in? The what? 
The fairies. The fae, right? The fae. And I thought that was really weird that in what in this for just because just just to humor me here, just describe to me what the fae is or a fairy is. Just humor me. The wee well, folk, the little people. Yeah, the leprechauns, right? Bingo, small, bango, bongo. Little people. The little everywhere, people, right? Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And then the, the, the changelings, right? The changelings yes. that can do all these things. And there's a whole folk four of changelings that are good changelings and bad changelings. And all the things that the Irish people. Well, Scottish people have the same thing, right? It's steeped in the same uh, mystery. They have the same uh, things that they believe in. So you take those uh, fairies, right? The fae, I call them the fae. Uh, fairy sounds a little more fairy taleish, but if you call them the fae, it makes it sound more official. I don't think, whatever. That's, that's just in my brain, that's how it works. So now in Appalachia, right? In Appalachia, you have 17, 1800s. You've got people who are, and, and what do we know about the Irish and Scottish? They believe what they believe, right? I mean, oh, yeah, they are. Sure. But you can't convince them otherwise. Like they are convinced in that. Okay. What do we know about Appalachian families? Same way. <laughs> right. They're <laughs> setting their ways, right? They believe what they believe and they're setting their ways. And, and, and they'll die on that hill. And they'll die on the hill. And they even 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 if they know they are wrong, they will oh, not yeah. admit that they are wrong. It's just that's just the way that we are. It's the way we are as people. Okay. So we've got that going on. And then you bring in the little Native American people with their spirituality ideas and what they and you put that and drop that into an Appalachian culture, you get granny magic. Okay. And all of other things that we've talked about. Okay. Um, so now you've got grannies, folklore, witchcraft. We'll, we'll call it that for a lack of a better term, uh, faith healing. You've got the fae. You've got little Native American people and then all of the Native American spirituality culture as well dropped into Appalachia. That's what we know as granny magic. And that's our Appalachian folklore. Okay. Now, um, who is the one occult? Because I, I like to bring things back to the occult. Who's the one occult person that deals with the Fae? Pan. Pan, right? Pan is absolutely, when you think about fairies or the Fae um, or a description of the Fae, um, especially in the, the New Age uh, occult, which we know it as it is now, mm-hmm. Pan is kind of the guy or the god or whatever, uh, the demigod that deals with the fae. The fae are always around, right? Um, the fae are always in his magic or always in his stories or always in his folklore. Um, so much is the fact that you could probably not make too far of a reach to call Pan um, the god of the fairies, right? You, you really probably could. It's not a technical actual name for Pan, but it's not too far of a reach um, to say that, uh, that he is God of the fairies or God of the fae or whatever the case may be. Um, so up until like post-depression, uh, pre-World War II, um, Granny Magic, as we know it, was very, very wholesome. 
um, and was faith healing was steeped in was quoting of scriptures. A matter of fact, um, I mentioned uh, the book of uh, powwows. Um, there's a fifth or excuse me, the sixth and seventh book of Moses um, is another uh, Appalachia grainy magic book that essentially takes each psalm. If, again, you can you can PDF this. You can go the sixth book of Moses and seventh book of Moses, Moses PDF. It will bring it up. And it goes psalm by psalm, essentially. You say this psalm and it can cure this, 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 and this, right? Whatever the case, there's a, a, there's a, a thousand of them, right? You can read them. I've read, you know, I probably spent three hours reading them this week just because they're, they're really interesting. Um, you know, if you say this psalm, and one of them was like, if you've got a friend that has a really bad odor, um, and again, it's written in Old English. It's written much more um, <laughs> better than I'm saying it. But if you have a friend that's got a bad that, that's dealing with a bad odor, odor, um, you say this psalm and get him to take a bucket of water that's never had the sun on it at all and pour it on his over his head and then dip his feet in the bottom of it, and that will help take the smell away. Which is pretty much a fancy way of saying take a bath, right? I mean, that's pretty much what that is. Yeah, that was just um, a yeah. bath. That, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. where the smell went. That's not magic. <laughs> exactly, but there's it's called all kinds soap. Yeah, there's all kinds of those things in there in the book of the sixth and seventh book of Moses um, that kind of so up until the again, uh, up until post depression, pre World War Two, uh, this was and even in the 60s and 70s. Right. This was a very wholesome. Way of life. And um, as people get better access to doctors. Right. The reason that like. My kid, grandma, my mom, so my kid's grandmother, we don't do a lot of these things. And you all aren't doing a lot of these kind of same things in your with your families and your kids because we just have it's it's easy for us to run the kids down to after hours or go get them call, you know, the dial nurse or whatever it is to get them the medicines that they need. We just don't we have better access to more things, and, and that's why we're not really doing these things right it's just kind of why this is we still know them but like my like my kids generation aren't going to have as much knowledge of these things as like we had just because it's going to get farther and farther removed right it's just kind of the way things work and that was the case so what's happening now um is that granny magic um granny witches we call them that when we're referring to them today um they have adopted the folklore from the old Appalachia, um, but they are now um, entrancing this into the new age cult um, and using the terms and using some of the ritualisms and some of the uh, potions or, or, or teas or stuff. Um, and then warping that into using what we would now to know today is the new age cult, um, the Wiccans and that kind of thing um, are using this as well, um, which I thought was incredibly, incredibly interesting. Okay, Um, so you've got something that started out um, Scott Irish steeped in fairies um, that, again, Native American little people and its spirituality dropped it into Appalachia. um, And it has become a large portion of our history and it's a large portion of our life today. Um, But that's kind of what Granny Magic is. And I thought that was super, super interesting. Wow. That's awesome. Man, well, it's just like that's what I was thinking as you were because as you were talking, I was already making connections in my own brain just based on you know what we've been talking about and working on and working toward and 
and the research going into this, you know, that's, I was already making all these connections. Well, here's a, another crazy one that I was just telling Ryan earlier. You know, you mentioned Pan being the, the God of the Fae. Okay. We don't have a lot of historical documentation, say, in early Scots-Irish. Okay. We, we don't have a lot there from the Celts, you know, before they got or before the Romans came in, you know, when the Roman Empire was conquering the entire world, uh, the majority of what we have about those early cultures there is from the Romans. And then, you know, 14th, 15th century, these places start getting really Christianized. You know, you have all these missionaries coming in and, and, and converting all the people. But before this time, early Roman documentation on these places talk about the Celts and talk about these, these, these Druids, you know, and, and, you know, most of us know what Druids are and, and how they, um, you know, worship nature and used all these different things. But some of the early Roman documentation talked about how they were a polytheistic, uh, you know, had that basis, a polytheistic basis and the gods that they were talking about that they worshiped, the Romans would just associate them with their own gods. You know, they would say, oh, well, it, they explain this God like this and this and this and this. That must be Mercury or that must be you know, Jupiter, or, you know, whatever. Well, I was reading right before, well, a little earlier today that one of the early Roman accounts of a God that they worshipped and worshipped, they said, you know, some, especially these Druids, worshipped above all others was the God of the woods, the God of nature. And that was Cernunos. Okay. Cernunos is a Roman deity that is a horned deity and is most in common and most similar with Pan. So it's nuts that, and, and you're talking about these, the Fae. Well, if you have these, 16th, 17th, 18th century Scots-Irish women coming over who have this strong belief in the faith. And all of a sudden they're, they come over here and they're, account, they're encountering all of these Cherokee little people running around. What are they going to think it is? They're going to think, oh, well, that's just this land's version of, of the faith. Yep. That's it. It's the same thing. I believe Pan ties back to the the old Celtic Druids, everything like that. And that's why it's here. That's why the Native Americans called this the Hall of Appalachia, right in this area, the dark and bloody ground. Which is probably, when you were talking earlier, it's probably why they would come hunt here, but not set up settlements. Exactly, right? It's exactly right. Hunting wow. here is great. Fishing here is great coming in. They could even, you could technically, they could come in even for just a growing season, have really good crops, harvest it in the fall, and then get out of here and not actually set up any time. Um, I'm right with you out there. I think the same thing, right? I'm right on, right on with you on that one. <laughs> There's well, a reason know, a of, they didn't settle here. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. a lot of a lot of Native American tribes or you hear people talking you know kind of talking like we are with our with our mamas and mamas grandmas and, and their their crazy faith healing uh granny witching ways you know you hear a lot of these native americans giving accounts today 
And they talk about how their ancestors called this a cursed land. This was a cursed land. The heart of Appalachia was cursed. Yeah. And from, so, uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. You're all right. You're all right. I, I was from, just, uh, from an anthropological standpoint. That's a big word, Ryan. Wow. You, uh, Good job. What, you what, was the, uh, what was the one thing I was talking to you about the other day? Uh, going around and looking, I'd like to get a little LIDAR machine, banded Clovis. Oh. So before our ancestors settled this area, we know that early, uh, I don't know what homo genus they are, but, you know, earlier humans are uh, not that kind. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> They're not a homosexual genius. They're a <laughs> homo genus. <laughs> but we know canceled. they settled this. We know they settled this area, right? So it was obviously inhabitable, you know, for people, and obviously still is since we're here. But for some reason, the Native Americans who are more in tune with nature and everything else, you know, the spiritual world than anybody alive. That's sure. Yeah. There's plenty of arguments that can be made on why they didn't settle here. Right. I mean, you've got crazy weather, good hard winters. Um, terrain's not the greatest as far as setting up a whole, you know, wigwam and a whole village full of, of people. It would be difficult. The average, this land technically didn't get settled until after we, I mean, how many houses or how many of these cities are not cities, but towns and shopping centers are, are built on old strip mines, right? None of that stuff really happened until big corporation came in and kind of essentially knocked the mountains down, flattened some stuff out. And it, there's plenty of arguments to be made geographically on why this was not a great place to come and try to lead, to come and try to initially settle and how hard was it on the early people in Appalachia that came and settled here while these companies were tearing these mountains and strip stripping this land and, and getting the coal and stuff out of it um how hard it was on them to survive just because of the terrain and the climate and and it's it's much easier on us now because it's civilization is, is, is much better right technology is a lot better but there's plenty yeah. of other arguments to be made but i, I just I, you you want to talk about the you know things of high strangeness, which we like to talk about. You have you have to at least take into account that there are other reasons why the Native Americans never officially settled Appalachia. I don't yeah. know if either of you have ever been to North and South Dakota, but I have in February, and Native Americans live there. Like what was the the Lakota tribe and all that? There is. No more of an inhospitable place <laughs> in this world than North Dakota in February. I don't know if anybody we got any listeners in North Dakota. You guys, I'm sending coats next year. That's <laughs> it's, it is crazy cold. Yeah. So what so you're saying is weather if- shouldn't play a factor. Like there's got to be some other reason. They had to have a reason. That they just I'm with refuse. you. Yeah, sure. I'm with you, man. I'm really with you. And and we keep we keep talking about synchronicity. We keep talking about synchronicity is just coincidence, Justin. That wrapped up in a fancy word. No, well, we'll call it coincidence then. I don't care, but I'm going to be fancy. 
and I'm going to call it synchronicity because that sounds more high strangey. Okay. <laughs> so, Ryan, this week you've told me to listen to two episodes of two different. No, it's the same podcast. It was it, they were both Wes's podcast, but you've told me to listen to two different episodes. In each of those episodes, what was talked about? Uh, the lights, Bigfoot, of course, because it's Sasquatch Chronicles. Um, a guy who had an identical story to yours. Yeah, which was nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. That's the but, reason I want you to listen to that. But the what was the one thing we were, he talked about before that? Um, everything ties back to Pan. Pan yeah. and little people. The little folk. The wee folk, the, yeah. the Lakota guy that you just mentioned right at the end, the Lakota man was talking about all these little people, all these little Native Americans that would actually come and were menacing. You know, they were they were super, super, super little. They were menacing, you know, and when you would meet them out in the woods in their territory, you know, they were they were more hostile or whatever. But when they would come to your territory, they were just, you know, just playing pranks. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like the Fae. That sounds like any Irish, you know, Scottish account that you get of the Fae, how they're just tricksters. You know, they do these different things, um, which, I mean, if, if you listen to the Irish and, and Scottish people, they account everything to the Fae folk, you know, everything. Bigfoot sighting, any cryptid, UFO encounters, everything <laughs> accounts back to the Fae. Changelings, man, changelings. Yeah, yeah. changelings. But then the other guy, the, the guy that had the almost the, an identical story to mine, he was talking about how he first went in search of these. They were Native American little people, cryptids, whatever you want to call them. They were covered in hair. They said they looked like uh, Sesame Street characters or whatever. But still, they were a, a version of a little humanoid that was coming out and, and terrorizing people, attacking people, you know, and, it, and we're talking modern times. We're not talking, you know, back in, we're talking, these people are seeing these things now. And then you take into account the Hopkinsville goblin and can, you know, all that stuff going on there. Like you, within just the last little bit, we're finding accounts or, or finding out a lot about these, these little people, stories and all this stuff going on everywhere like all over the the country you know hearing stories from and you know uh this just you know as soon as you said changeling i just remember listening to an episode uh the other day about the uh what are they called the pudgewuckies or the pugwuckies that's what i'm talking about the pudgewuckies that guy North was talking East, about those. like massachusetts oh yeah uh, it was area. massachusetts yeah it was massachusetts so where do you what do you have a lot of in boston the irish oh yeah right, that's oh, like yeah. that's like yeah, i irish, think that's i think that's irish ireland's hub. capital right yeah, that's the irish hub. yeah so let's take the word pudgewuckie or pugwuckie whatever they call it change it over to changeling those being the evil things like that account of that old man saying he was going i think he was telling me to come here he wanted me to follow him but he's like i turned and i went the other way even his dog like this german shepherd something mixed like a hundred and something pound dog was just pissing itself and everything like terrified 
And this thing stepped down on the ice is like three or four foot tall, had a pot belly, uh, and was uh he wasn't speaking English, like, but the way it was doing it was motioning and it sounded like it was going, um, we want oh, he was saying we watch you or e watch you, we want you, and it was going, uh Kier, 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 come here, come here. And it would say, he watch you, he watch you, Kier, Kier. And he's like, that he's like, I got the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was three foot tall mango whip that thing's ass <laughs> <laughs> well see that was the thing that was the thing it wasn't coming like it wasn't advancing toward him it was standing back saying that e watch you e watch you kier kier like over and over yeah. so it was it was trying to motion this dude and he said it was at the tree line like it was like back in the woods like Saying, dude, I'm getting chills just talking. About, I would freak out if I seen a little hole in that thing. A little, a little goblin speaking English to me, broken English. Yeah, but rebuke. So, well, you just said rebuke, and that was kind of going with my question here. So, what do you guys think that this? What do y'all think that this is? I mean, do you think that it's just? Do you think that it's actual, you know, biological things that we haven't documented? documented? Or do you think this is spiritual? Do you think this is something that has been, because Lance, you mentioned earlier, we know the Native Americans. We know their rituals and all the different stuff. And I've talked about it on here a hundred times about how I believe that there were some, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, portals, openings, you know, whatever, probably open throughout these things that let some things through. Uh, you know, other realities, other dimensions, whatever you want to think about all that. Do we? Do, I mean, and then we're talking about, you know, you said earlier, you said conjuring and then root work. Okay, what is conjuring? What, what's the conjuring part there in this whole, we talked about the root work. We, we didn't talk much about the conjuring. It's basically a summoning. Right. And but when, when I was mentioning, I guess that I was, I was talking more of kind of the incantation of, you know, the saying, right. Little sayings and things that we know and we have that kind of go along with all of this is kind of where I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was kind of meaning. There. I get that. I get that 100%. Didn't mean as in conjuring up spirits or conjuring up, you know, whatever. To- well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say with this, though, with all, if we're going to look at this from a magic standpoint, okay, if we're just going to say, you know, whatever the basis was, however it was used, whatever the belief system behind it, you know, I, I feel like a lot of this. And and magic, what, what what really is magic more than just like energy works? Um, so if we're going to talk about it like on the magic standpoint, magic can be used two different ways, right? Just like anything. You can use anything. It, it's not the product. It's the intent behind it, correct? I mean, it can be used for good or used for bad. So in these things, you know, if these people, if if these seventh sons of the seventh sons or these certain women, these certain families, 
you know, if they were, if they had the gift, we're talking about all the faith healing and all the things, but could they have used it for the other side of that too? I mean, could they have used it for dark, for evil? For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction, right? I mean, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a law of thermodynamics, right? I mean, that's, that's a pretty common idea um you push one way you've got to use that you're getting that same force pushing back the other way now you may not feel it it may be just the stationary force but regardless you're you're getting a pushback and through all throughout history there's nothing but there's not just good or not just evil there's always both you know yep. we need to we need to look this up but uh your whole life anything you've ever seen or read any book any movie anything that you've ever seen that deals with magic, what is the number one rule of magic that always comes with a price, right? Where did that statement come from? And are these the price of hoodoo, voodoo, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it? Are these things the byproduct, the opposite of what they were trying? I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about the possibilities that are there because just like I said, I mean, you know, if you're operating in this in this avenue and you don't have a full understanding of of maybe what you're dealing with. Nobody does. Well, nobody. There's no way. I think that's I think that's largely the problem is that you've got people who study this, sure, who have dove into all of these things that a variety of people have just kind of made up right, <laughs> or have collected over the years. Right. I mean, it's not like you can't, you can go to certain points in history and see where things started. Um, but there's usually like, there's an explanation for why those things happened. Right. There's, it's just kind of like when COVID broke out two years ago and you flipped on Facebook and everybody was a freaking expert on infectious disease, like all of a sudden. And now you look on, everybody's an expert on foreign policy, right? I mean, it's the same. You've got, you know, you've got yeah. people who think they know these things and they're, they're dealing with what I think. And this, I, I won't die on many heels. I'll die on this one. I think when we talk about changelings or magic or supernatural things or people seeing stuff or any paranormal thing. Like I think it is 100% supernatural. I think it is 100% evil. I, I don't think it should be messed with. I think again, this is a hill I'll die on, right? I don't, I think that it is not things that we should you can look at it. You can study it. You need to understand it. You need to understand why it's here. You need to understand what's going on with it, the basis of it, but you don't need to practice or get involved with it um, because nothing good can come. I don't, I, again, this is just personal belief. I think nothing good can come from it. I mean, there's people in the cult now, uh, these covens of witches and all the stuff that they're doing, all the ritualistic stuff that they're doing that, we can tie back to the occult, Aleister Crowley, uh, the devil, all the stuff we can tie it all back to. I don't think any of it's good. <laughs> I don't. I, I think it's, I think people are messing with stuff that they don't need to be messing with. And it's why you have all these accounts of all this stuff. Now, I'm going to make this statement as well. I think here in Appalachia specifically, because of the history, because of what's going on here, I think the veil is thinner here than it is other places. I agree. 
I agree 100%. And I don't think that you have to – I think all you have to do is look out there for at the, at the media and the entertainment that's out there for – you know, every team is coming to somewhere in Appalachia. You know, Expedition Bigfoot Season 2, I was just watching a little bit of today there in Eastern Kentucky. Um, Tony Merkel runs the Confessionals podcast, just did a Expedition Dogman documentary came to Eastern Kentucky. Um, you know, the whole hell your crew, all that came to Eastern Kentucky. Well, I mean, we are, we are right on the border of Eastern Kentucky where all this stuff is going on. And, you know, what are state line borders? I mean, they're imaginary lines. They mean nothing, whatever is out there and going on. They don't care about that line between Kentucky and Virginia and Tennessee and <laughs> West Virginia and North Carolina. They don't care about those lines. They're going to hey, operate hey. wherever. But there's there's getting to be such a a microscope on this area. And it's not just people like us that are living here that are realizing that. It's people out there that run these gigantic media um, operations or whatever, production companies that are getting these stories. You know, people are saying, I saw this. I've lived this. This is my account. This is my encounter. So I want to tell my story. So if I'm going to tell my story, who do I need to get up with? You know, who who is going to do this justice? And that's, you know, that's why you have these people coming in. That's why you have these different, this area being so, you know, on almost everything that you look, we're, we're investigating some part of Appalachia. And that's why I think this project ANP, the anonymously named project, as our research producer Lance pitched my way, and I, I just loved it. That way, I don't have to just call it the project anymore, guys. Um, that's why I think this is so important because we just talked about as Appalachians, we like to keep some stuff close to us, close to the chest. We want to hold what's our own. We want to, I mean, if these people are getting these accounts and coming in and doing interviews and all this different stuff and putting in so much work, why can't we just talk to the people around us that we work with, like Lance has been doing, like me and Ryan have been doing? Why can't we just talk to our grandparents and our aunts and our uncles and our, you know, people that we know that live in this area and have seen these things, had these encounters. That's what's so important about this. Well, that's what's important about this show in general and about this project that we're working on is the magnifying glass is on this area of the world right here. Who better than to keep a daily journal of that than the guys living in it? Then us three. <laughs> the three amigos. <laughs> three musketeers. <sighs> I like sneakers. <laughs> but no, man, I mean, I just think it's, this is, it's crazy. It's, it's all crazy. And I think, you know, it's one of the reasons why I enjoy this show so much. One, because just, you, know, you and JK's project and JK and I have been friends for many, many years. I'm going to support absolutely anything that he does um, to a fault most of the time. Um, but let's go with anything, <laughs> but <laughs> when you started, as I started listening in, um, 
we're kind of realizing like we are, I think all three of us will say we are very proud to be Appalachian. Like we don't try to hide our accents. We understand that most of the time this area of the United States gets a bad rap for um, the opioid problem that's going on and the poor nature of the coal companies leaving and the kind of the backwood nature of just people who are pretty much predominantly introverted and just once you get to know them are just super super people that just don't like to talk and don't want to you know have been beat down so much with you're a dumb redneck kid who doesn't know anything you're not educated you don't have the same degree that i've got so you don't know what i know that it's kind of created a stigma in which people for the most part are, are introverted and kind of reserved that but realistically what it is it's just you've got people who are uh, very strong in their beliefs um, who are extremely resilient, um, who are family people through and through, um, that the blood is thicker than water is a literal way of life, um, but yet are still are just as articulate, just as intelligent, just as well-versed um, in everything else, right, going on in the world, just like everybody else is. It just happens to be that we have a more of a negative connotation um, on the way in which we conduct ourselves. That's why I think this platform and this show is so important that, yeah, we talk about all these things, right, and, and, and we're diving into some of the stuff that other people are coming into. If I get some stranger coming in wanting to talk to them, I'm not going to really open up. But if we're sitting around like this and I bring a couple of buddies, a couple of my buddies over to meet you guys, we're just going to instantly kind of have a connection just because of the way we grew up and where we live. We're going to be yeah. more open about more open to have conversations, more open to talk about what we think about things. And because we don't have that fear of these guys don't think I'm an idiot. Right. Because we all grew up and experienced a lot of the same things. We all didn't grow up the same way, but we've grown up and experienced a lot of the same things and had the same background. That's why I think it's important that whatever the topic was, right, we could be talking about the best way to go you know, gigging for frogs. And I think it's still important that, you know, we have conversations and, and talk about the way because I've got a, I think I've got a, a passion for the Appalachian culture because of the way in which it has allowed me to now raise my family, right? Because of the way I was raised and the things I'm putting into them and the, the values and things that my wife and I are putting into my kids, it's, I'm proud of it. And I think people, more people would benefit from it. And I think that's why you're seeing people move into our area and all kinds of stuff, because people will enjoy and appreciate what we are as Appalachians. Yeah, man, I agree. That was, yeah. that was beautifully said, beautifully said. <laughs> Now, I can tell you, if you're looking to retire and uh, move somewhere where you never have to interact with anyone, this is the place to come. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to interact with anyone. You can, don't you can expect, some, uh, yeah, don't you expect some, an Uber. <laughs> you can well, buy you know, some land in the holler and not have to see anybody. I mean, you can. Yeah. yeah. And, and you talking, you talking right there, Lance, that's been one of the biggest uh, that's been one of the biggest, I, I won't say hangups because, you know, we're getting guests on and, and we have people lined up and scheduled. But as far as just like personal stories, like I would love to have more people blowing us up with personal en encounters and accounts and stories, you know, their own thing. 
but the majority of people, especially in this area, they're not just going to open up. And if they do, if they do, I, I'm really good at breaking down barriers in a one-on-one, you know, basis. Okay. <laughs> like I, I can get people talking to me or in a small, small, small group. But when you're talking, uh, coming onto a show and where, you know, hundreds, possibly thousands of people are going to be hearing this, you know, then people start getting a little, you know, they're, they're keeping their cards closer to their chest and that's this area, man. And it's exactly what you just said because of the stigma that they've been beat down with their entire lives. They don't want the extra stigma of saying, Oh, well now I'm uneducated. I'm stupid. And I'm crazy. <laughs> well, well, that I, just goes into the uneducated, uh, ignorant part. That's... <laughs> well, I mean, and then just I'm a great example of that, right? After our first, after our first podcast, and I'm a guy who can talk about anything. I, I, I don't usually like. I don't get embarrassed easy. Don't have much of a filter. Things just don't usually just don't bother me. It's just kind of the way I've always been. But I mean, how many times I, I was like, after we got done. And just like he texts me, like, hey, it was great. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't feel that good. And I need it. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And, it was, and I was kind of falling in that same trap of well, usually I was just like, I don't really care, you know, what people think or whatever. But I think that's, I think, again, I think it's just because of, you know, this platform of, you know, technically you put this thing out there and then there's seven point some billion people in the world. Any of them can listen to it. And, you know, as all of them are listening. You know, all you know, of them. the case may be. So, I think that's, you know, I get it. I understand why people would be in, you know, I, I don't consider myself a huge conspiracy theorist or even a crazy person, but there's some things here that are, I think there's reasons that we are seeing some of these things consistently pop up. I refuse to say synchronicities, um, but uh, <laughs> they're consistently popping up. Um I think there's reason for it. Um, and that was, you know, when you called a month or so ago and said, Hey, there's things you're going on. And I kind of giggled at you for a second. And then the more you talked, I was like, well, maybe. And then the more things have kind of just kind of kept going. I, you know, there's, I think there's definitely something here and nothing else was a really, really, really good story. And if yeah. there's nothing, if, if there's, if there's absolutely nothing else here, right. If there's nothing else ever comes of any of this, I think we've got a really good story that we're going to be able to tell. Um, and, or, you know, write a book. <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to write a book yeah. so I, I think that, that there is and, and there's one more thing too that I want to say and I want to get this out there I want to say this I don't think any of this is good I don't I think it's evil I think it's <laughs> a pretty good podcast no I'm not saying that I'm not, I agree <laughs> I completely agree what I'm what I was referring to was like I, I think the things that we are seeing or the, these accounts and the things that we have been talking about and the way in which we're seeing these coincidences kind of pop up. I'm talking about these people looking into all this stuff and talking about pain and fairies and witchcraft and demons and ghosts. Like I, I don't think any, I think if it's paranormal and it's bothering you, like it's trying to make itself known in some certain way, I think it all stems again. This is a Lancey, isn't it? It's just my theory on things. I think all of that stems from evil. I don't think there's anything. I don't, there's no, to me, 
there's no such thing as a good ghost, right? I don't believe in ghosts at all. I think anything paranormal that happens, I think it is demonic activity um, trying to manipulate environment, manipulate what you're seeing, manipulate whatever the case may be um, to get you to do more evil. That's just my thought. Um, and I think it's important that you expose that, talk about that, call it for what it is. Um, and, and But don't jump into it and enjoy it because it's going to be enticing and it's going to be fun to talk about and maybe fun to delve into. But I think the, the, you, you, if you dance that line too long, you'll fall off the cliff. Again, that's oh. just my just my personal belief. Well, there goes my idea. I was going to say maybe the reason we're so run down in this area is because we've let these old ways fall to the wayside and the land just needs to be rejuvenated. Maybe we should do some kind of ritual and wake it back up. But I guess Lance is going to be against that. That's- I'm out. I'm out. I'm 100%. I will not be lathered up myself in <laughs> Pig fat, naked, on Halloween night, running around a fire with two sacrificial knives. That's not going to happen. Well, there goes my other idea. <laughs> you know, background with horns with a with the hood with a headdress of horns over you. I'm not doing that. It's not. What me. about beef fat? <laughs> nah, maybe I, I can talk into that. Maybe. <laughs> no, I. I agree. I agree 100% with you, Lance. And we even had a conversation the other day and you actually called me out on it. You said, okay, well, what's your theory behind this and what do you want to do with it? And my answer was, and it's the same kind of thing that we use this as a, as a cautionary tale type of, well, anything, anything that we're talking about, this is a cautionary tale. This is a, we are men of faith, followers of Christ. We believe that the Bible is what it is, what it says. And we know there's a spiritual war going on. We know that that's out there. So if we, as men of faith, don't understand any of this, and I don't mean diving into it and performing these rituals or doing these things. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's but if, I would never do that. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if we don't at least understand it and understand what it is and where it comes from and why it may possibly be happening and how we can kind of battle against that, you know, that's I think that's important. I mean, if if you're gonna ha- if you're gonna be in a war, if the general of this side has no idea how many troops, how well they're they're established, you know, how many resources, supplies, ammunition they have, what they're using, what they're capable of, where they're flanking from, where they're if one side doesn't know that, you're screwed. You're destroyed. You're defeated. So if we as men of, of Oh, faith, you're talking about me being the wink link in the faith department here. <laughs> <laughs> I see what no. you're saying. I'm the weak link, and I'm gonna get tackled, and then you guys are going I, down with me. I didn't say every that. army's gotta have infantrymen, Ryan. We gotta have the first line of defense to go. Oh, that's in. what I'm saying. Operation <laughs> Human Shield, baby. That's <laughs> no. I'm just saying. I think it's important to understand, at least have an inkling of an understanding of what you're up against. Because whether you want to be or not, 
if you're a believer, you're in a spiritual battle every day. If you're not a believer, you're still kind of in a spiritual battle every day. It's you just, just call it morality. It's yeah. It's these people that are, or, or these forces that are keeping you back from the truth of what's real, what's important, what's, you know, what's truth. So that's what I think is important about this too, is we talk about it. We research it. It does get enticing. It does get interesting. It does make me uh, excited when I'm learning more about this, but it doesn't make me say, okay, I want to dive into this as deep. I'm going to try to, you know, do all these ritualists. I want to try to conjure this and do that. And do it. that it makes me want to do the absolute opposite. It makes me want to learn it, understand it, just like I am a general in a battle. And I am learning as much as I possibly can learn about the enemy. Now, I think these things are real. I think that people are seeing exactly what they're seeing. And I think based on worldview and, you know, their belief system is how people are going to interpret that. I have my beliefs that I've spoken on this show before, and they're, they match up and line up identically with what you just said. And I think that it's important that, you know, I'm not going to have a guest on here. And if they're talking about this being, I'm not going to put them on blast and be like, no, you're wrong. It's a demon. It's blah, 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 blah. I'm not doing any of that, but I'm allowed to have my beliefs. And, and, you know, I'm, that's what I'm, you, you have a pre, you have prepper podcasts to where people are on here just talking about, well, you need to prep for, you know, the decline of the dollar and, and, you know, you think of any apocalypse scenario that you can think of, that's what you need to prep for. Well, this is kind of a prepper show, only it's a spiritual prepper show, if that makes any sense. That's the way that I kind of see it, too. Uh, don't count on me to have you spiritually prepared, folks. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's why I have Catholics pray for me. I'm shooting for purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> just always knows the right thing to say at the right time <laughs> it's uh it's a blessing and a, a blessing curse, and a curse. Right? it's a blessing and a curse because there are times that i've said shit before <laughs> i realized what i was doing and then like mm. <laughs> shouldn't have said that <laughs> all right guys well this has been awesome it's been a lot yeah, of fun Lance, again, you've crushed it. You came on yeah, and you crushed. You brought the good stuff. I'm oh, wild, guys. Something I wanted to tell you about also while we're on air. I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I actually got cracked. I was on gummies and I was high. And I actually got cracked up. And Ash was like, what are you laughing about? I was like, well, Lance is coming on the podcast Thursday. I was like, he and Justin have been friends since they were little. Like, they've known each other forever. They both love to talk, and I'm just cracked up at the thought of their parents like walking in a room and they're both passed out blue face because they were trying to talk over top of each other. <laughs> That's how I imagine y'all's childhood like, y'all's teachers just passing out because you're just talking and talking and talking and talking. No breathing. Hey, I'm not gonna lie, it is hard for me a lot of times just to sit here and listen, and I'm like. I know. What do we learn from Wes on Sasquatch Chronicles? Even Bobo from Finding Bigfoot, 
He says, uh, the number one thing we learned from you guys was to shut the hell up and let the guests talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's Everybody why they come will on. notice I save my jokes for the right moments, but there's times I'm like, damn, I really don't want to step on them. But if I say it later, it's not going to be funny. <laughs> well, I'll just do it. But no, again, Lance, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a, this has been a great episode. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and guys, if you're out there listening, look into this stuff. I mean, research it for yourself. I mean, I know sometimes we sound like some crazy people on here, but I promise you, we're not talking about anything that's not out there to be seen, read, watched. Um, it's out there. But again, Lance, thanks so much, man. We appreciate you. And we appreciate everything you're doing for the show as uh, as a research producer and all these people that you've been talking to. It's, it's just producer. No, I like research producer right now. That's what it's doing. <sighs> He That's doesn't his. go over anything with anybody. So get used to that <laughs> research producer. He's just going to make up shit on the fly. And you're just like, what's that word? Never heard of that before. I've called him research producer <laughs> for like two weeks. And I mean, you never said now. research producer. I've always just said producer. And you're like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then we start recording tonight and it's research producer. I'm like, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. That's. <laughs> Plants, I don't know what you are. You're just part of the podcast. That's <laughs> all right. I'll give Lance. Let Lance say his goodbyes, Ryan. My gosh, you keep you keep jumping in. Goodbye, Lance. <laughs> what's, what's the cowboy say? It's not goodbye. It's to see you later. Yeah. See you soon. Guys, check us out. Check us out on our social media. Follow us on all of our social medias. They'll be posted in the show notes. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channels. Ryan has been doing a great job getting all the videos put up there soon after the episodes are completed recording. Um, if you Ever since last week, <laughs> I was I'm like trying, three behind. I'm trying to, get I some. do apologize. I did want to apologize for that to everybody. Uh, I will be on schedule from now on with Justin midnight Saturday. Well, technically Friday night. Justin's watching the Braves right now. In case y'all are wondering why he keeps looking away. Game's over. They lost. Oh, I knew it. Go Buckos. But <laughs> oh, yeah, Pittsburgh both, Pirates. Both y'all are bu- Lance, oh, are you man. a Buckos fan? Still a Pittsburgh fan through and through. I forgot about that. Good no, God. I'm not a Steelers fan. I am. I'm a Green Bay fan. But I am a Pirates and Penguins fan. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge Penguins fan. Just the uh, can y'all just let me kick, can y'all let me kick the show? Can we can we can we end it? Sorry. Yeah, so everybody check us out on our socials. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook. Wait, do we have Facebook? Yes. Oh, we have Facebook, folks. I just learned that. Um, the YouTube channel, of course, Appalachian Intelligence. Uh, please like, subscribe, rate, review, share. If you, if you like what you're hearing, you can support the show. The support the show link is will be in the show notes as well. Um, we are getting ready still. We, I, I know I keep saying that. We will be setting up a Patreon pretty soon. We'll be teasing that before we get it out there, too. Um, and send us your stories, guys. Send us your stories. It, look, if you want them to be told on here anonymously, we'll do that. If you want to speak with us, and us not put the video on YouTube, just use it audio, we'll do that. Whatever you want to do to protect 
whatever it is that you want to protect, we'll do that. Just we want to hear your stories. We want to hear your encounters. We're reading stories all day long. And when we set this Patreon up, that's what it's going to be based a lot on is stories. So if you have a story, send it to us. Our email is Intelligence at gmail.com. That's also in the show notes. Any information that you need will all be in the show notes. But uh, share the show, guys. If you like what you're hearing, share the show. That's We want to we want to keep this thing growing. Um, it's, it's way bigger than what I ever thought it would be in four months' time. Um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine that it would be as big as it is right now. But that's why it's because people are sharing it. Um, so continue to we do really that. We appreciate that, guys. We, we really do appreciate it. We thank you guys so much and continue to rate and review. That way uh, we can read it on here at the start of every episode and uh, keep giving you guys some love. So, guys, again, this was a great one. Love y'all. Love all you listeners, viewers out there. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. See you guys. Later.